I joined the Man Whore Podcast Patreon after being a listener for the past couple of years. Now, during this time, my husband was a paying subscriber, but he would send me his favorite episodes so frequently that I started to feel guilty. After all, we were two listeners. I've learned so much from Billy's show. He puts a lot of thought into the content he creates, and I've enjoyed learning about a variety of relevant, important topics, such as ethically produced porn, sex workers' rights, consent culture, and ethical non-monogamy. He's had authors, porn stars, legislators, and educators on the show. He hasn't missed a Wednesday yet. Talk about consistency. As a Patreon member, I've also enjoyed additional perks, like bonus episodes, extra sexy content, and access to the private peep show. So thanks, Billy, for expanding my horizons. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to Amy Klobuchar, Pete Buttigieg, and Tom Steyer. Congratulations on having more time to fuck your significant others. This is Billy Presida, and you are listening to the Man Whore Podcast. All right, all right. Um, I got my fingers crossed for Lizzie. It's Super Tuesday morning right now, and I just, you know, I just want to stand for my girl. Hey, everybody. Uh, this week on the pod, I've got on musician Tom Goss. His new album, Territories, is available now in all the places that you get your music things. This guy, holy shit, has an incredible story. Like, unbelievable. Just the entire time I sat across from this dude's big, beautiful blue eyes thinking, no, no way. Way. And I'm so excited to share his story with y'all in a little bit. But first, show dates, people. Show dates. Okay. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Next week, I'm going to be performing at Gilda's Laugh Fest. Uh, you can see me uh, March 10th at Creton or Creston Brewery, uh, 9 p.m. And March 12th, Dr. Grins, 9 p.m. Those are both free shows, I believe. So come on out. How often am I in Michigan? Uh, Lebanon, New Jersey. Keep the date open, March 25th. I don't know the name of the venue yet, but I don't think Lebanon, New Jersey is terribly big. So I hope you can make it out and see me there. And Williamsburg, Virginia, March 27th. I'll be performing at Revolution Golf and Grill. So come on out and see me uh, if I'm passing through you. Uh, and before I move on, I do want to read a, an email that uh, from a listener, I've read it before, but I'm going to read it again because it is a great endorsement of Manhorkon. It comes from a, a fellow, we're going to call him Jay. He and his wife uh, have attended all three Manhorkon weekends. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, I can't think if anyone else has technically attended all three weekends. I guess uh, Emily. Yeah, I guess Emily too. So I'm, uh, this is an email I got after one of their, uh, their attendances, just to give you a sense of uh, how fucking awesome this weekend is. He writes, Billy, Billy, Billy. Oh, Billy. Man, Horkon. 
Words can barely describe the time we had. It's a feeling, more like a bunch of them, that we're savoring after the weekend. Being part of a significantly growing event, instant inclusion into an awesome group of friends, laughing and learning, and the overwhelming sense of doing something awesome, Manhorcon, was more fun than adults should expect to have. We needed no sleep, and just about none occurred. New York was amazing. It felt like a week of party that occurred in 48 hours. Now, I'm not going to read all the dirty details of everything that occurred that he describes here, because you're just going to have to come to fucking Manhorcon to find out. But I will, I will read this from it. Uh, the whole con crew made its way to Midtown for an after party in a swanky condo that was absolutely legendary. We were rock stars that night, porn stars that night, great friends that night. It was Man Whore Con. We miss everyone, and the special someone even more. Uh, just a little hint, that special someone? Not me. Yeah, no, just a divorcee from Washington. Um, <laughs> dude, your fans love you, your friends love you, and your sponsors took great care of you and us. Thanks to them all, especially Motor Bunny, who was responsible for a memory of you riding the device that none of us will ever forget. Smooches. JNL and JNL, who are stupid attractive, uh, you know, are, are planning on attending this year. So save those dates, August 20th to 23rd. Okay. Tomorrow, I've got a bonus episode uh, coming out for all of my $5 and up members on Patreon with, uh, with the academic Simone Fansarlus. Gosh, I hope I still said that right. Um, <laughs> she is the author of a, a book, Playing Monogamy, and we talk a whole bunch about it uh, in her bonus show. Right now, we're going to just introduce you to her and talk a little bit more about her work. All right, and now I'm here with... Uh, wait, sorry. Help me out with the last name. Just help me out. Okay. Help me out with the last name. Why am I pretending I'm going to do this off mic? I'm yeah. not going to cut this out. How, how, just help me out with the last name. I'm yeah. a dumb American. Okay. So it's Fon Sarlos. Fon with like an F, almost like an F. Uh, yeah. Like a f okay. So Simone Fon Sarlos. Wow. That was perfect. Okay. Yeah. Look, you should you should have heard me like years ago when I tried to do uh, Dr. Jana Rangalova. That was, you know, I took a deep breath after I was finished. <laughs> well, that's good. We should practice people's names. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, Simone, uh, we just recorded an awesome bonus episode that's coming out tomorrow on Patreon, uh, which is dope. We were talking about your your new book. Uh, well, not so new book. Your newly translated book, mm -hmm. uh, Playing Monogamy. And why don't you tell us a little bit about what your book is on? Well, Playing Monogamy is mostly about how we think and live monogamously and how we could do otherwise. Mm. Um, so it doesn't just talk, it's not just a how-to book about like, oh, we could live non-monogamous or polyamorous, but it's talking about the ways that we attribute value in life to things through, for example, hierarchy, through linear time. So saying like, oh, we've been together for such a long time. It means that it's valuable, mm -hmm. taking that aspect out, taking hierarchy out. So not saying like, I'm prioritizing this one person and therefore I'm showing you that I love you very, very much. Mm -hmm. uh, but actually saying like, hey, maybe we don't need the categories of you are my one and only in order to say I can still continuously value you. You can be very special without being the most special. Mm -hmm. It's like, why does everyone have to be the most, the best, the top, the number one? 
Not enough people are okay with number three. And there's a lot of people who are number three who aren't even worth number three. And so just take take number three as a win. Um, and sound, what I really loved about our conversation um, in the bonus up was how you just were like, I want to get rid of hierarchies everywhere, not just within relationship models, but with gender. Like you were saying, I don't want to be equal to men. I want to be a woman. I don't even want there to be a thing like a woman. I just want to do what Simone does and, and, or, you know, hierarchies kind of everywhere in life. Um, which when I think about it, you know, we have those all over the place. Mm. You have your favorite book, you have your favorite, this, you have your favorite bodega, you have your favorite child, your favorite brother, your favorite, you know. And yeah. And you don't even have to have that favorite. Do you, like, do, you not, also- do you not like the concept of best friend? Not so much, no. Right. Yeah, I mean, because that indeed, like, it attributes another sort of, like, extra special value to something, right? And for me, it would be the practice of attributing value without having to prioritize, which would mean that you could value everything around you mm-hmm. instead of having to say, this is special. And, like, isolating something. It has to do with isolation. It has to do with property. This is my best friend, mm-hmm. right? It's not only, like, at the top of the level. It's also mine, and I think I'm I'm trying to think a lot through language and like this is why it's called playing monogamy also is that this element of play is there. So I look at monogamous love from this play element where I'm seeing it as a, a performance, right? We're performing monogamy mm. and it doesn't make it less real necessary. Actually, I love performance. I think performance is what we can do, but it just means that there's different kinds of performances that we could also engage with. Mm. Such as? Such as non-monogamy. Okay. No, such as not having a hierarchized way of looking at other people. Um, well, you're also non-monogamous yourself, correct? Mm-hmm. Now, I know when I asked you relationship status, you were like, it's complicated. But generally, like the one of the things we didn't get a chance to touch upon in the bonus app was, okay, so let's say we're taking, we're getting rid of the hierarchies, which the relationship anarchists love, even though we've, we acknowledge together that uh, labeling yourself a relationship anarchist now makes you not one. But okay, we got rid of the hierarchy. So okay, everyone has value. But within relationships, really, the main thing with, you know, non-monogamous people is that is a finite resource is time. Mm-hmm. So how do you as someone who does not like to have hierarchies in your life? How do amongst partners do you relegate the time? Do you now or ever have someone where that person kind of has first dibs at that time at Saturday night? Again, we categorize through time. Like it's this idea of like being the first is better, right? But like, why is it actually? And I know like I'm negating because you already gave such a nice representation of like how you are living non-monogamy. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I have good stories about how I do this. I think that for one, I think it's super helpful for me that I don't live, for example, a nine to five office life where when you're talking about Saturday night, Saturday doesn't mean specifically something to me as a freelancer tuesday afternoon has the same value as a saturday night yeah so for you you're like at midnight you don't care if you're first second or fifth to have to get kissed you know in 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 the new year you don't you don't mind in that no and i think that's that's for me personally is that from a polyamorous perspective i would often i think be described as solo poly Mm -hmm. um because for example this new year's i spent uh, I'm not gonna say where I spent it. Alone? But, um, uh, no, no, I didn't. Okay. No, 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 no. Play no, party? That no, was my second. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did make sure that I couldn't kiss anybody because I was at a party where I didn't know many people, which mm. I, I, I sometimes really enjoy that, like to have um, 
to know beforehand, like this is also the element of play, to know beforehand that I will not be there with a lover or somebody that might expect something or mm. like might expect a kiss or me expecting something. It's also sometimes a way to habitate or like to to train myself in order to think about like what am I expecting? Mm. And I enjoyed like seeing so many people kiss. Yeah. Um, it was a bit, you know, like, okay, this is exactly what I expected. Like people are kissing at midnight. Um, but what I did like was that it was, I was surrounded by mostly 50 year old and older and they were like kissing all over, like tongue was everywhere. And I was like, mm, yeah, great. I get it, yeah. Cheryl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, if 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 someone's gonna read your book playing monogamy and they want to try to adjust or 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 pivot to getting rid of these hierarchies in their lives and not care if they're the first kiss at midnight, mm. what would what's one tip you might give someone who's trying to kind of realign their thinking? Yeah, well, I think I mean I'm not saying to not care, right? Like if you have certain feelings, just have them okay. and let them be and. I think that the moment that you allow yourself to live with negative feelings, um, it already becomes easier to digest them somehow, by which I don't mean like, oh, you know, like, just let it be. It's just, it's a question of like, do you allow yourself to have those feelings and not judge mm. that you should not have those feelings? Because... Um, what happens often is if you have a certain, if you feel jealousy, for example, but you feel like from that jealousy, you have the right to get angry. That's when the problem starts, right? Like where if you ha can just feel jealous, but you intellectually, you agree with that not being a problem or that not leading to judgment. I think that already helps to separate that sort of like to separate the feeling from what you ideally would want. Mm. Um but also, like, I mean, for me... Because what you're suggesting is a paradigm shift for people. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that thanks for even though that. Even the poly people, yeah. the concept of non-hierarchy is a paradigm shift. So it's like, there, there, you know, it's not going to happen like that, but I got to imagine there's got to be maybe a, a, a tip or a trick to at least start getting yourself away from these hierarchies. Read my book. Read, yeah, there no. we go. I mean, no, no, no that's I a mean, good it's, tip. it's a very short book, too. No, but I think that... Um, why I'm I'm evading like this sort of good mm. answer that you're expecting for me, besides be not being American, so not being good at this. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a long running gag in the bonus episode about how Europeans, I think, are smarter than Americans. Yeah, which uh, is and <laughs> no, but I think what what I do think is important to say again is that it's it is not a how to book. Uh, so I'm mm. not giving any tips, but what I do do is that I hope that I lure you into a certain language and like how I'm thinking. Like I kind of take you along with uh, how I think and like through that, um, I think what opens up through that is that there are other ways of categorizing. There's other ways of allowing yourself to look at the world mm. so that you do not need categories as much in order to understand that you can still feel. Um, and I think in that sense, it's mostly about dismantling the way that we use language, the way that we talk, the way that we ask questions. So that's that could mm. be a tip. I can sure, give you maybe, a tip. Maybe stop stop using the superlatives all the time. Mm. Could be one way. Not always saying best, top, most. Yeah, and also not saying plus one, right? Not this invitation. I mean, we already had the holidays, so I, I hope mm. we're free for a while. But like this idea of, uh, yeah, bring your plus one. I mean, and also like, do you have Fuck you, partner? I'm very popular. I have plus three. Yeah, make it plural. Yeah. 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 That would be a tip. 
Yeah. Well, Simone, um, the, again, everyone, the book is playing monogamy. Um, it, the, you can't get it on an Amazon. There's a very specific place to get it. I'm going to have a link in the show notes if you want to check out the book. Uh, and if they want to follow you on the social media, where can they find you? Instagram. And what's your handle? Esfonsarlos, which is S-V-A-N-S-A-A-R-L-O-O-S. Uh, Simone, thank you so much. This is very fun playing monogamy with you. Ayo, okay. And uh, <laughs> I hate myself. Uh, I want you to say goodbye to everybody one more time. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you. Go check out the book. Go check her out on social media. And uh, go check out her bonus episode out tomorrow. And now for the fan whore appreciation moment right quick. Oh, yeah. This is the part of the pod where I like to give a few shout outs to members of my fan whore community on Patreon. Membership includes access to our super secret Facebook group, The Champagne Room, which is a wonderful sex positive space to discuss kinks, relationship styles. Where do you hide the sex toys when you've got kids? What books are you reading these days? It's just a great place for listeners to connect with each other. And I like to thank everybody uh, by giving them a little shout out. So right now I want to say thank you to Amy Bo. Bounchicka Bobo, Amy, thanks for being a member. Hope to see you in the champagne room soon. Uh, shout out to Joseph Pearson. Oh, I love seeing the Kiwis representing. I want to wish New Zealand luck on their uh, weed legalization efforts. Okay, make it happen, dude. You support two great causes, me and uh, illegal weed. I want to give a shout out to Rebecca Lake. I am glad that you're supporting the pod. And I want to give a shout out to Crystal Sajad. Uh, gosh, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, she she kind of looks like the, the hot mom at the PTA meeting, you know? Uh, she looks like she knows how to take down minutes, but like also stick two fingers in your butt because she knows it actually feels good. Even if you're kind of nervous about it because you, you think it makes you gay, but she's like, nah, don't be so suburban. Okay, it's going to feel amazing. Yeah, I don't know. She just gives me that vibe. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I'm glad that she's a member of the fan whore community. Uh, and I also want to say, oh gosh, I am so sorry to Hal. I fucked up your shout out. I confused you with a different member who's in Michigan. I know you're not in Michigan. I know you're you're a Midwestern beauty uh, who, whose makeup game is on point. And I just want to apologize and thank you again for being a member. And you too can become a member today or sometime before April 16th. By visiting patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Tom Goss. Gosh, the dude is um, just has a fascinating story in his album, Territories. You'll hear my opinion on it in a few seconds. Let's get to Tom Goss. So, by the way, do you know that your uh, this album... Um, territories yeah okay do, do, do you know it's a it's a sex club like album uh um, is a hundred percent background of sex party music i mean i definitely feel <laughs> like i would like to have sex to it like i like that was definitely a point of that yeah there's definitely a lot of sex sex and sexuality happening on the record mm. like it's a very um you know it, it's it's a it's a journey both physically and emotionally but also very much sexually and so I, I definitely want that to come through the music yeah that's definitely if anyone like 
I feel like if you don't have a sex playlist and you just want some good mute mood music, <laughs> you can just play that through and it's gonna like achieve the purpose. I really <laughs> I really like that. I, I do sometimes get notes from people telling me that they were having sex to my music. Yeah, and, that makes sense. <laughs> and it's a little weird, but I'm also like, that's cool because I know what I like to listen to when I'm having sex. And I know like what kind of like, and, and I know like if I want to have more emotional sex or more chill sex or like, you know, it's so, so for me, I love that music for those reasons. But what is, what is the music you like to listen my to? My favorite what do you put music on? to have sex to is M83. Okay. Right. Cause it's very, um, it's very cinematic. It's very cinematic and there's a lot of really big builds and falls. Right. And so for me, if I'm like, if I want to have like a, a very wonderful, intimate evening, you know, I want that to, to last. And, and I think, you know, I think we think of, of sex as, as there being this end game to it, right? And mm. I guess there is, especially as men, yeah. right? And, and there's a build to that end game. But I think if you're doing it right, there's a lot of builds and falls mm -hmm. and you can, you can, you can, um, M83, I think, is, is great in doing that and swell, 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 swell. And whatever you're doing, when, you know, say you're making out, you can make out more passionately, more passionately, more passionately, more passionately, more passionately, and then it falls. And then you move on to the next chapter of what, where it goes from there. And then you move big and it falls. It's yeah. really, it's really great for me. <laughs> yeah. The only thing people tell me they do, uh, I don't have people say they fuck to the podcast, but I do get people who say like, oh, I got really wet or really hard listening. I'm oh, like, really? That's a whole different kind of uncomfortable <laughs> feedback that you're like, like, I'm proud, but like, I don't know if this is TMI or not. But like, for now, I'll take it as a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, it's really interesting. You, you, I, 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 I've just become accustomed to saying thank you to almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> I take it all as a compliment. You have to. Otherwise, it's like you think about it too much. Yeah. This is a good time to say I'm uh, sitting down right now with musician Tom Goss. Hey. Hello, hello. Hey. Um, I think I listened to Berlin like three times this morning oh, <laughs> driving good, over here. Oh, good. I like that. Yeah, it's it's in my head now. Uh-huh. Uh, that that's quite the story. That was the big thing that Nikki sold me on. He's like, no, no, no. This happened. Yeah. And so you've had quite the transition in your relationships. Sure. Um, from monogamous, I was assuming, yeah. to... It seems like full on, full blown polyamory. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't really put a label on it, but I guess that's the label for it. I mean, at least for me, sure. You know, it's interesting because I, I think in relationship, you know, that's kind of defined um, by two people, and I don't really see, feel like my husband's living that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not polyamorous. He definitely has has boyfriends and he has other lovers and so on and so forth. But they're not. He doesn't have uh, another lover to the depth that I do. Mm -hmm. um in terms of the emotionality of it so um but he was the first one to, to kind of yeah 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 straight sure. from out of the marriage yeah so this was definitely his idea and his desire and, and i wanted to be supportive of him on his journey which triggered a different journey for me mm -hmm. um and i don't really think that that uh polyamory is what he wants either i don't think he wants to be in love with another person or be in relationship with another person whereas at this point in my life i am in love with another person and i am in relationship with another person so i guess the the only reason i shy away from the idea of i'm polyamorous is i feel like then that makes my husband polyamorous because because shouldn't we be on the same page i guess mm. i don't know i mean i think i think one can definitely identify as non-monogamy because poly is just kind of underneath the non-monogamy yeah umbrella, i really so. can or just non-monogamy yeah yeah and i i mean i also tend to call myself non-monogamous because i'm still not sure mm -hmm. um because i just haven't like done the poly 
It's more okay. like I know that I have the capacity to love more than one person at the same time. And it hasn't 100% overlapped yet. Sure. Um, but I know it's there. However, I, I can't really say I'm not in a poly relationship now because my girlfriend that um, of like six, seven months now, um, she's poly. She lives with her boyfriend of over two years. So, oh, okay. So you're the sec. You're kind of the 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 secondary relationship in her world. Uh, definitely not a. She doesn't treat us as a hierarchy. There's a little bit of implied stuff just in terms of the house, or at least especially like in the beginning when we first started dating. Yeah, there was more of like asking permission about me staying over. Like that was a big hurdle the first time I was able to stay over. Oh, and it was because he was sleeping out. And then, like, it was a different hurdle when I got to stay over, and he was also going to be staying there because they have a they have a guest room. Um, oh, so you sometimes stay the night with her when her boyfriend, who she whom she lives with, is there as well. Correct. Oh, and that's so I'm still like I'm still navigating because how does that for feel? Me. I because he and I don't like I don't have his number. So we have been totally cordial in person, yeah, and everything's fine. Uh, I tried to like make conversation at a, like a Halloween party once, but it felt very unnatural. But then again, I feel unnatural talking to anyone at a party. Yeah. So I I don't know where it I was. I mean, I, from, <laughs> from what I can tell, you're unnatural in any conversation. Oh, one on one, I'm great. It's <laughs> but, if, but if there were I know, I'm kidding, ten I'm people, kidding. if the, the, this is fine, but in ten people were around us, I would be in a very different mindset. Sure, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he and I are fine. So it's not like he doesn't like me. Which is like it is weird when you date someone who ha- who is dating someone else because you almost feel the pressure not just that this person likes you, I want them to like me too. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's interesting. You know, um, you know, you mentioned Berlin, and Berlin was very much the start of of the record for me. Mm-hmm. And and but there's a song on it. There's and every single song on this record is my life. Every single song is what happened. And and I I think for me the things that we're talking about are the things that I wrote about because it's it is weird and nobody's talking about it, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, the song Keyside, which is the first single off the record, is is um. You know, the lyric is, is how I long to do this right. Where's my line? Tell me which parts of me should I hide? Mm. Right? And it's kind of like the, the same exact thing. It was my first experience going to London, meeting, meeting um, my lover, and going and staying in his home. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, like what are the rules here? What are the rules? Can I hold your hand? Yeah. If we're walking down the street, can I hold your hand? Like, and this is I in his home. Did he have someone else at with his home husband? Well? Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, his husband was out of town. Can I kiss you in front of the like? If or he's out of town, but yeah, it's like little rules like that. Yeah, like, you don't know where you're overstepping. New exactly. Year's Eve, w- Megan and I were supposed to be not with her other boyfriend on New Year's Eve, but he got let off his bartending job early that night, so he came to meet up with us. So midnight comes around. It's like who do you who, kiss who kiss well it's more like who kisses first yeah um because it seems like we've kind of passed the like i'm allowed to show affection in front of him okay okay but it's like who goes first i just gave it to him because i was like he's got tenure so like let him go first and then i'll kiss second i was like that just seemed fair to me but yeah. i don't know there's no there's no rule book for it all we have to do is just ask each other that terrifying question of what am i allowed to do and did you ask yeah i mean well so new year's eve i just said hey if you and him want to have the first kiss at midnight or have it approaching midnight. And I'll do the one after midnight. That's fine with me. Um, and it ended up not being a big deal at all because he doesn't care about New Year's Eve. But 
Okay. You know, it's but these are these little nuanced situations. Yeah. And they and you run up against them almost on a daily basis, especially early on, because we live in a society that 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 constructs relationship in one way and and we learn whether whether somebody's teaching that or not. We're seeing it um in all of our media. Mm. We're, we're everybody's constantly talking about it and we're learning about it um you know, not in school obviously, but just through the messaging that we're given from everybody around us and then all of a sudden our situation is different and we don't have any guidance. We don't have any role models. We don't have any way to know how do you deal with that situation. Right. And so that's really that's really for me for for me as an artist, it was such interesting territory to just live in. And then also, you know, we're in a society that's just getting comfortable like is just starting to put, you know, queer relationships into media narratives. Of course. So there's also rules of just like okay, we're two men in this city. What you know, I don't know how familiar you were with that city, but it's like can we hold hands in public can we show affection? Yeah. are you come are you in a place in your life where we can show affection in public so there's even that layer on top of it yeah and i'm getting to the point you know we were in um my husband and i were, were were traveling um in europe this year we were in like croatia and there were times when i you know i didn't know you know i'm we're in hungary or yeah. we're in croatia are these places that i can hold hands where can i hold? and i'm kind of getting to the point in my life where i'm like Fuck all of that. I'm not visiting your country if I don't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I'm not spending my money in that way if I don't feel comfortable. You know what I mean? And it's kinda in in it's kinda sucks because I wanna see every place in the world and I wanna do all these other interesting things, but I also wanna live like an honest, authentic life and love in the way that I love mm-hmm. and be really open and honest about that. I wanna get back a little bit to the to the rule sure. stuff but uh, in a second, but, but when you want to travel how do you figure out where you're gonna where you feel like you'll feel comfortable and safe haven't figured that out (laughs) i honestly haven't figured that out yet i i i mostly both my husband and i are really adventurous when it comes to travel we both just get excited about places that we've never been and 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 i've only started thinking about this recently because i started going to places where i'm like oh wait a second this feels uncomfortable to me now. Now I'm in this place that I've always wanted to go. I'm seeing these things that I was going to do, but I feel like a fraud doing it. What What is it around you that makes you feel fraudulent? Well, you know, there's there's a lot of countries where it's it's really dangerous to to hold hands, and it's mm-hmm. dangerous to be affe- uh, affectionate. And in me, my authentic self would be that thing. So if I'm purposely not holding my, if I'm consciously thinking about holding somebody's hand and not doing it, or consciously thinking about being affectionate to somebody and not doing it, it's not only taking away from my experiences and having a good time, but it's also, I'm also put playing a role. Like I'm playing the, the I'm playing a, a a character that this this country wants me to play or this mm-hmm. neighborhood wants me to play, and that in and of itself feels fraudulent. Yeah, uh, and I, I just I can't imagine. Having to, you know, navigate every fucking little place and thing and which actions. It's- you do. And as a gay person, you constantly are like being, I mean, we're in New York City right now. And for the most part, you could walk around holding hands. But I- there's sometimes when you turn the corner, you're like, mm, this doesn't feel like the best thing. And to is be that doing. just the people you're seeing on the street? Is it? It's a feeling. Ba- it's like anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? I- I'm sure that you've walked down the street and you've been listening to your music and you've been having the most fun time. And you thought, oh, I should take one of my earbuds out. Like I need to be a little more 
I need aware to be of my surroundings, aware of what's happening. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad neighborhood. It's just like we we have evolved to have these senses, and we've more or less forgotten sure. about them. But there's moments when those senses hit us, and we listen to them or we ignore them. Like yeah. you know, but a lot of times listening to them is a smart thing to do. So like when you're when you go to London to visit your lover, and yeah. you're still trying to, and you're in a, you're in his home, him and his husband's home. Yeah. Are you asking the explicit questions of what you can and can't do? Absolutely. And and what was that process like? Was that the first time you've had to ask those things? Yeah, I, I know we're going really, really backwards in no, trajectory. It's okay. I'm sure we'll end with the you walking in, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, you know, it was really it was really interesting to me because yeah, I, I'm a very straightforward person, mm-hmm. and, and and I'm really lucky that my lover is as well, and and I can ask really difficult conversations, um, ask difficult questions, and have difficult conversations with him. So yeah, I remember getting off the train, and we had met several times in different places and had great times, and then I was getting off the train, and it was getting into a car, and we were going to his house, and I said, hey. I need to know what's going on. When can I hold your hand? When can I not hold your hand? When can I lean over and kiss you? When can I be affectionate to you? I, I want to be, I want to be really respectful to your husband mm-hmm. and I want to really be really respectful to you and the life that you live. And when I leave here, you're going to have to continue living it. Yeah. So if, you know, all of a sudden your neighbor sees me holding your hand and that makes you uncomfortable, and makes it uncomfortable for you to live your life next week when I'm gone. Yeah. I don't want to do that. It's like, which friends am I your date? And to which friends am I your friend from the States? Yeah. And and to be honest, for, for, for me personally, that's been, I've, the past couple of months have been really great for me because the record is out. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have no secrets in the world. You know, I, I spent so many years writing um, like really positive acoustic pop music about how much I love my husband and was in a monogamous relationship with him and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was really scary to, to, to write about something so different and to, to, to create music so different. And I was really fearful of it in a lot of ways. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, to, to put out this record has been really great because all the things that you're saying, I don't feel like I have to hold. You know, my, my parents were at my show in Chicago. You know, I, I don't, I feel like I don't, I don't have to keep secrets from them. You know, if anybody, if, if anybody wants to know something about my life, they, they can ask because my life's out there, you sure. know? Well, so wh- how long have you been with your husband? Uh, 15 years. 15 years. And how'd you two meet? Yahoo Personals. Yahoo. <laughs> hey, 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 note to Nikki. Put that in the head somewhere on Yahoo Personals. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's um, hilarious. You're literally the only person I've met who've, who's met anyone on Yahoo Personals. I forgot Yahoo Personals was a thing. Well, I think... And I'm a Craigslist guy myself. <laughs> I forgot Yahoo Personals. <laughs> I think if you're like a person of a certain age or have met somebody at a certain time, sure. maybe it was. You know, okay. I'm, sure a lot, I'm sure Yahoo Personals was great for a lot of people. <laughs> but yeah, we met on Yahoo Personals. I was training to become a Catholic priest. I had just mm-hmm. left seminary. Um, I met him probably two weeks after I left seminary and just immediately madly fell in love. And you left seminary because? Because it was horrible. There was there was a lot of people um, that, that, that I didn't feel like were good. It was a very... Um, damaging and dangerous place for me to be there was there was several people that i lived with that wanted uh relationships with me that i didn't want with them um that were both emotional and sexual and that was really uh difficult priests for me. or fellows seminary students uh seminary students uh-huh. it was a, it was it was really i didn't really know how to manage it. it it was a period of my life i mean i was probably 22 23 and uh, um 
I didn't really know how to establish and maintain boundaries that worked for me. And I think my, my openness to the world and my openness to people was, was getting me in trouble because people were falling in love with me in ways that I wasn't falling in love with them. Right. And then it was, it was getting kind of creepy and stalkery. I, I mean, have found that as a fellow, uh, beautiful blue eyed person. That's what that it is. That is a thing that will happen. People fall they right into fall your eyes. They fall into the ocean of our <laughs> eyes and they can't get out. <laughs> so, uh, so who put out the ad? You or him on Yahoo? Um, I think he responded to my... I don't think either of us had an ad. Oh, okay. It was. I think he saw my profile and Oh, it was like a profile-based... Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's what it was. And I think he reached out to me and I reached out to him. And it was kind of funny. The the, the day that I left seminary, um, you know, it, it was really horrible. And I, I, you know, kind of blew up finally from trying to hold, from trying to hold it. Cause I was also keeping it all to myself and not telling people what was going on. Okay. I thought I could manage it. And then by the time it got too much to manage, it was kind of like I was broken, you know, in a way. Um, cause I essentially had my neighbor was stalking me, you your know, neighbor at the seminary. Yeah. So he was like really pressuring me a lot and we shared a wall literally. Yeah. So if you can imagine your stalker living just knocking a foot and a half wall, away like, from you. Yeah. Come, come snuggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was difficult. And, um, and did, did you report that to eventually people? I did. Cause eventually like, I did when, when I woke up at three in the morning and he was at the foot of my bed. I mean, I mean yeah. if you weren't at a seminar, if you were anywhere, that would be a problem. I yeah. just feel like in the whole Christianity game, they'd be like, oh, that's extra not okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I can't really speak yeah. to, to why people do what they do, but I know that was horrible for me. Yeah. And so I, I so, so finally I started talking about it. It was like the, the straw that broke the camel's back. And then he got kicked out. And then uh, not even a week later, it started happening again. And that's kind of when I left. And uh, what's going through your mind when like the second stalker shows up? Well, he was really my best, one of my best friends at the time. And, um, and in retrospect, I, uh, it seems that he probably joined seminary to be closer to me, which was kind of weird in retrospect, but that's, that's a lot of infatuation. If you're uh, prepared to make a vow to celibacy, exactly. just to be closer to a person. It's a lot, and and I think you know at that point in time after going through that experience with the with the first one there, that I was just kind of like, dude, I, I you got to deal with this. I can't really talk to you. Like in in his in in it kind of turned into this thing where he he would go, kind of behind my back and start. He said who was starting a bunch of rumors essentially, and I didn't really realize this. And then when it clicked for me, um, what was happening because I was just speaking a lot to my formators. Because I had been going through this thing, and then they started asking me stranger and stranger questions, which I just like didn't really strange, like sexual. Or strange? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, like like about my relationships with with my friends and stuff like that. Um, and I was kind of like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" But then I realized that it was yeah. this other guy kind of going behind my back because he thought I was doing that to him. Do you, do you, did you find a lot of other gay men in everybody's gay? Every yeah, everybody's gay. Really? Yeah. How does how do you is it the, your standard? I can tell because I can tell, or is it like is it, does something happen? No, I mean it's or? not like it's not like it's a secret. Especially the community that I was with was was very open. You know, I would probably say like ninety percent of the people in my community were gay. But I would say as a general rule, and again, I'm just making stuff up. I have no data to to prove any of this. But I would say probably seventy percent of people in religious life, at least Catholic life, are gay. That would be my estimate. 
Well over 50%. Well over 50%. What do you think drives them over? I guess to speak to yourself, like what drove you to even go to seminary? I think that that people who... Especially as a gay man in that time period. I think that people who are gay are are more interested in religion. I think that's, that's kind of been the case for eons since humans existed. I think if you look back at like shamans and religious leaders throughout the course of history a lot a lot of them have have been gay mm. i mean maybe we didn't we didn't label it as such but i also think especially when you look at something like catholicism there's definitely people that are going there to hide there's definitely people that i i can tell you as a, as a gay man it, it was it was it was much easier from from my parents to have a gay son when their gay son was going to be a priest and why is that you don't have to talk about it you just have to talk about your priest, right? Your son who's a priest. You don't have to talk about your son and his husband, or your son and his husband and his boyfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, what do you think's easier to, to 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 tell the other people? You know that that your neighbors with in the Midwest. Were you I going mean, to the seminary to hide? No, I mean, I don't think so. I really don't think so. For me, for me, I don't. I, I'm really grateful for for seminary because I think it's also where. I don't think, but I know it's also where I discovered that I was gay. Mm. Um, I didn't self-identify as gay. I really felt more. Really, ace. didn't you wrestled in college? I feel like that's. If, I feel like that's where you'd. That would confirm something. Exactly, <laughs> which is which is why it never confirmed anything for me because I'm attracted to bears. Like mm. my like I'm attracted to big men outside your weight class. Uh, yeah, there so we go. so there's nobody that I was. You know, I was wrestling <laughs> with 18 to 22 year old super fit, like. <laughs> "Quote unquote hot men," and I wasn't attracted to them. I want the two hundred five weight class. It's like what? I mean, I want the three hundred five weight class. Let's be honest, you know, it's true. Yeah. I, I, it and it never occurred to me. It never occurred to me to point my sexual attraction in that way. I thought I, I knew I wasn't attracted to women, and I date women, and we'd make out, and it just wasn't doing anything for me. And then, and I, and I didn't think I was attracted to men because I showered with sixty men every single day, and you know, it didn't make my penis hard. Yeah, you know, it wasn't it wasn't something for me. So, so I really just self-identified as asexual, um, which honestly is more alienating than being gay, especially then because that's like pre, you know, Tumblr popping off, really. I feel like that's where a lot of the aces hang out. Is on oh, they, do they? I, I feel don't like even that's know. where they found a lot of. Commu- I mean, the oh. internet. The great thing about the internet is a of lot course. of people of the various identities are able to find their their tribes, and aces seem to dig Tumblr. Like they love. I didn't know that. They love the cart shipping people and cartoons. I've, I've browsed around here and there. That's funny. Um, yeah. Wow. That's no, so- I didn't. I, and, and there was nobody that I knew that was like me. Right. And I just thought that. Uh, one, either everybody in the world was lying about this thing called physical attraction, mm-hmm. or I didn't have it, right? And um, when I moved to seminary, I had an, a, a yet another classmate who was um, a really great friend of mine and um, 44 years old and a statistician and like super shy and super dorky and super awkward and, you know, chubby and hairy, and we fell in love. Mm. And that's what happened. And it, it, and and my going from my becoming gay was great because it was like at least I had something that I could hold. I like that. Like gay, you have meat to it. You can understand it. You can you can find a community around that. But yeah. but when I was asexual, it was just like I felt like a robot. You know, yeah. it's like you didn't even know what the flag was because there I is a flag. Even, I didn't even. I didn't even. I didn't. I mean, there's we're a also, march as well. There, I'm sure. I mean, but this is. 2003 yeah. <laughs> yeah this stuff didn't exist then mm-hmm. you know so 
Anyways, it, that, so I was really, really super stoked about it. Yeah. What's a relationship at seminary look like? It doesn't just I wouldn't look say like, that we were in a... I'll tell you what this relationship... I should say, like, being like, in love with this man at seminary, what did that look like? I'll tell you what it looked like. Whoa! You, you guys did not see <laughs> the eyes he just flashed. <laughs> <laughs> it, looked, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, it seemed like an eternity, but it probably... Maybe John 3.16. John 3.16, uh. <laughs> yeah. No, but it looked like this. It looked like... in I, I, And in retrospect, I do think... He was there more to hide. Hmm. Um, whereas I had fallen in love and Allison was feeling these sexual attractions and I thought it was the best thing ever. I was like, holy shit, I'm a human being. Like I was like, fucking let's explore this. Yeah. Like that's what I'm that's what I'm about. And so he was in love with me and I was in love with him. And this probably happened maybe a half dozen times. It seemed like it happened for forever then, but I probably only lasted a couple months and it's probably happened a couple times. So I would be like getting ready for bed and he would knock on the door and he'd come in and he'd say he was having a really hard day and he would be, he was sad or he was frustrated or he, you know, whatever. And he, if, if I would hold him and I would say, okay, yeah, sure. I'll hold hold you. And then, um, he'd, he'd lay in my bed and I'd hold him and then holding would turn into petting and then petting would turn into kissing. And then we start making out and then he would take off my shirt and then he would take off my pants and then I would unbutton his shirt and go to open his shirt and he would freak the fuck out mm-hmm. and he would uh, put on his clothes and run out of the room. <laughs> that's, wow. that's more or less what it looked like. But it looked like it looked like it was very innocent. It was very adolescent. Mm-hmm. It was very much the two of us not really understanding what it was at all. You're I, on the time delay of the, the same thing happening when you're 14, 15. Absolutely. But it's just you, you, you didn't get to even figure that out for another But I'm five, 23, 20, yeah. 24, and he's 44, right? I do remember there was this really funny, funny thing that happened. And I, and I, was, I recalled it yesterday. I, I was doing another podcast, and I, and I walked in the room, and the room... It was like glass doors, and you walk in a glass door, but the, you can see everything happening in the room, you know? Mm-hmm. And it really reminded me of like this one time. We decided like at one point in time that we couldn't hang out alone together because our because we really we really were in love with each other and we wanted to be physically affectionate to each other, and then we, we felt that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would get, we would go like meet in public spaces. So we're like reading the bible in like the library or something like that and i remember like before we were like in our pajamas too and like before we knew it we were just like on the floor like completely going at it completely making out and there's no walls right it's just like a glass room like anybody can look in in this seminary and it was just I mean, it was. So there's nothing gayer than Catholicism. Is that that's what I've been learning? Yeah, the last nothing, nothing gayer, nothing gayer <laughs> than Catholicism. So, so you get to Yahoo Personals. Um, you and the husband meet. Yeah, and it was interesting. The day that I left seminary was the day that I met my husband, mm-hmm. and uh, um, we were chatting on um, AOL Instant Messenger and throwback. Yeah, and it was really, really fun, and he was really sweet, and I was having a great conversation. And then I asked, it's it's funny to think of it this way because everything is picture-based, right? But it wasn't then. Um, and I asked for him to send me a picture. So he sent me a picture um, via Instant Messenger. Um, so essentially the day that I left seminary, I didn't find a place fast enough, so I still had to stay there that night. Right. And I'm like in this prison that I hate. Everything's falling down. I'm like, no fucking way am I going to find something. That's when I started looking on Yahoo personally. I'm like, I'm going somewhere else tonight mm-hmm. to sleep. 
He sends me his picture, which was probably the worst picture he's ever taken in his life on some horrible old pixelated cell phone. And I kind of was like, uh. Okay. And so I said, you know, I've had a really nice time chatting, but I don't think it's going to work, more or less, right? Then, you know, like you, Craigslist guy, I'm sure I answered a Craigslist ad. I think I met this guy on Craigslist. And I went and I spent the night at somebody else's house. Mm. And uh, um, I was insane. I'm so, so grateful that I did not meet my husband that night because I wasn't saying I couldn't sleep. I'd go, we'd go from making love to me crying to me screaming to making love to like over and over. I remember at three in the morning, um, going to dinner because I couldn't sleep and he was great and he was, his name's Jerry. I, I haven't really talked to him since then. Like maybe I talked to him like a month later, but he was wonderful. He was loving. You he were was screaming. Caring. Yeah, I was so pissed, man. Just about, at at the seminary at and everything. At everything. I just I'm just imagining being the guy being like, I just put out an ad to get some dick tonight. Exactly. And now I'm dealing with a lot of emotion. But let me tell you something about our community. We are the best people. We are the most compassionate people. We have been broken so many times. Sure. And when when this person just wanted to get some dick and he saw my brokenness. He held me in my brokenness and he held me through the, one of the darkest nights of my life. And he was wonderful and a generous, um, love maker, a generous listener, a generous person who would stop at three in the morning, put on clothes and take me to dinner because he knew I wasn't going to be able to sleep and then take me back and, and hold me again, you know, and, and I can't speak highly enough about this community of people who, who we have our faults, right? But at the end of the day, we have got each other. And and so that was Jerry, and he saved my life that night, you know, and I'll always be grateful for that. And uh, um, anyways, yeah, so then then uh, probably a week or so later, I reached back out to to Mike, my husband, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it was a horrible pick. It's like, do you have a better pick maybe? Like, no, I just pick. was like, I really enjoyed talking to you we talked on the phone i just love talking to don't him. you love a phone call dog? yeah Hi, so underrated today but i love get i'll call my girlfriend randomly just because i'm like well i'd rather be talking to someone right now than scrolling through twitter exactly exactly and we met in person and he's so handsome okay. so handsome and so wonderful bear, and so sweet bigger guy yeah, yeah yeah okay and that was it that was that you know i mean I how, well how we go how do we go from Yahoo Personals to to well you didn't walk in on him in Berlin right no oh that, no 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 that was so, a different yeah so these are so two Berlin's just where you went and you were finding yeah. things so essentially yeah so so we were married uh, we are married um, and we've been together about ten years and uh, and yeah I, I you know I walked in on him with somebody else more or less uh, and that's him. after how long together a decade. Wow. And did he admit to any infidelity from previously? Like like he eventually got there. You know, and, and it's you know and it's and it's yeah, yeah, there was there was other infidelities. And so that was an interesting thing to uncover. It was a very difficult thing to uncover. And um and we talked a lot about it and although it was really hard for me. You know, I remember laying on my floor just crying, you know, crying, writing the saddest songs and crying. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, there was a point, there was a point where, where I was going down a path of like, 
once 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 kind of trust is 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 challenged in that way mm. you start questioning everything mm. right like well and you know in 2008 you told me this but then i saw this does that equate anymore right i'm reading a book on infidelity right now i don't really like it too much but yeah. there is a good po- there is a point that she makes about this how like <clears throat> the cheated upon spouse wants to know all the details and how like there are counselors who will encourage that you go into every nitty gritty until this person's satisfied. And that apparently is a very American concept. Okay. It's a very, apparently like wanting to know all the things, very American. Cause like she would go to these other countries and you know, and all the people she talked to, they'd be like, why would you want to know more details? Wouldn't that hurt more? It's like Americans want to hurt. Like we just want to be in more and more pain. I think you want to know because you want to understand. Right. And I think, uh, um, well, this is, this is just the fact that our memories are fabricated, Mm -hmm. right? The things that we remember aren't always true. Like things shift as we age. Right. So I think for me, I wanted to know information so I could look back at the past and reanalyze those things that happened. But did you find that 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 it's horrible. You? No, I found yeah. I found I, I took I, I made a conscious decision about a week after to say like, no, I'm going to say that this stuff happened, this infidelity happened, mm-hmm. these horrible things happened, but those other things happened too. The ways in which I've I've loved them and they have been my rock for a decade, they are still my rock, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the love that he has for me hasn't also changed as a result of the infidelities. You know, we're talking yin yin and the yang, right? There's a little bit of the bad and the good, and that's okay. We're not perfect people, right? So I had to really come to that conclusion. And then we went and we opened the relationship, and that was also difficult for me, but that's, that's that's what he needed at the time. And how did he express to you after, I mean, um, well, I'll ask this one just so I have the context. How long in between you walking in on him and him proposing open relationship was there? It was pretty soon. Like, pretty, okay. like I would say that the infidelity and the discovery was, was Halloween. And I would say... Well, that'll fuck up a costume night. Yeah, I, I thought that's supposed to be gay Christmas. And it he, was. And that was, gay that was the point. There was too much candy for him. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, so so how does he come to you somewhat close well we just started a conversation about it and we started going to therapy and we started to you know trying to have a lot of real conversations and i would say by january the relationship was open so you're looking at two months what's your immediate reaction because i could so see you like you've just caught him and now he's asking you for open really like i could see you going like fuck you uh, or like, what I, I mean, there definitely was that. Yeah. It was all. It was all of the things. Like, how dare you ask to do more of the thing that just broke me? Exactly. No, there was a lot of that. Um, there was a lot of all of the emotions. There was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of anger. I, I, I I'm a very much like you know. Obviously, I'm an artist, and I'm an artist that draws from my own life. So I spent a lot of time internalizing and processing. Mm. So I did a lot of that, and. Um, I did a lot of listening, and I did a lot of really trying to understand w- w- why he did what he did. And, and the thing that, that, that was the most, in some ways, the thing that was hardest for me was the knowledge that he didn't feel like he could have this conversation with me, right? So he was doing something behind my back. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I felt like, you know, I, I'm not trying to victim blame here. I'm not trying to blame myself in retrospect, but I am trying to say, like, 
all of us in relationship are are uh, can can look at our actions and be better in one way or another. Sure. And so I think there was probably a close mindedness to me about um sexuality and non-monogamy that made it hard for him to to speak about the struggles that he was having with with his with monogamy at the time yeah. well, to even express a, an interest so many people yeah. see the act of asking this is something i'll hear from people lies if you just even ask would you ever consider that some sometimes the other person will freak out and yeah. it's like, what are you talking about i just asked if you'd maybe be i couldn't be more loose yeah in how i'm pitching this um, it, it really threatens some people. Yeah, and I do think that yeah. that in a lot of ways, like I'm a very driven person, and I had become a very driven and rigid person, and I think that that's okay. But I think that it's funny that I'm having this conversation with you, given given my ideas of the world or what I thought was was the truth for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't think that I think that my goal is less about the truth now. My goal is more about the questioning. Interesting. Tell me a little more about that. I, I don't, you know, I think for a long time I was figuring out life. Okay, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, all those other options are out the window, right? Black and white, right and wrong. And I think now... Your 20s. That's, I think you just defined everyone in their 20s. Okay, great. Right, Th- yeah. That's what it's it was. Like, right? <laughs> it's like, let's... let's I just held out. on to that well into my 30s. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm 72 Okay. Um, Looking great. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, that's what I guess. That's I exfoliate. It. Yeah. If you well, if you were straight, I would have been like, ah, oh, he's you know probably in his late thirties. But you know, he's gay. It's like, yeah, he's got to be like seventy. Yeah. Just, exactly. You, you guys, guys don't even know. You guys are immortal. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's like, they're the devil. It's like uh, the devil's got great skin. Devil uh, does <laughs> have great skin. I mean, he has to put the SPF on because it's yeah. so hot down there. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it was interesting, and I think. I don't remember where we were at, but but yeah, now you're more focused now on the question. You had a sense of truth and reality, and look, and I'm were... I'm in a relationship with two people. Yeah, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. I, I can I can look at it every day and say like, does this work for me in this moment? Is this are my actions right and positive? Mm-hmm. And if they are, then the rest doesn't really matter. Like in terms of what the outside world thinks about it, what what our social mores and constructs say, you know, right and wrong is in and, in and of itself a construct, right? right? So, so has the non-monogamy just been a Pandora's box of questioning? I mean, what, for have, sure, have there been new questions about life? And yeah, listen to reality? territories. <laughs> that, that's all it is. I got a couple know? tracks in. I got a few more left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to find some people to fuck during it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure, for sure, for sure. The environment for the album. Um, so, but it seems like you and your husband's non-monogamous journeys are different. Yeah. Um, so he seems to be going more down the. Well, I think I always, I think I always, especially at the beginning, was trying to, maybe in the same way that he was trying to ascribe to 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 my monogamous journey mm-hmm. and our non-monogamy, especially early on. I feel like I was always trying to understand the rules so that i could play that game well right right? and um mike is a little more fluid in that obviously um and so i felt like i was always doing things wrong or misunderstanding right and i I guess the thing for me is it really should be about an honest conversation more than like this is the rule here and this is broken here because because you know we already know what happens in monogamy when when the when the infidelity rule is broken right you get a divorce or mm-hmm. you resent the person and hold them on a leash for the rest of their life right. you know what i mean it's like those are the common ones and i wasn't i come from a broken home 
I, I wasn't I, I wasn't interested in having a broken home and I also wasn't interested in like being really rigid like ultimatums mm -hmm. that's not really my vibe I, I I'm much more interested in continuing to love this person and understand how our relationship's going to evolve moving forward and strengthen in the the period of time in the negotiating period of time after you walked in on him with this other man you know did you think about your parents and about like the, the i know that i don't want their relationships mm -hmm. i don't want the relationships that they have with each other and i don't want the relationships that they have with their new spouses mm -hmm. so uh i've seen what what infidelity does you know and i've seen what remarriage does and and the different problems you know that that my my parents have with their new respective partners and i know that i'd still pick mine any day of the week and that's what i'm going to keep that's what i'm going to keep going with you that's know fantastic yeah i'm going to create the thing that that i think works for me and that i think's happiest and it's definitely not perfect mm -hmm. but but i'm i'm still trying to figure it out um, can you tell me a bit about Berlin? Uh, not necessarily just the song, but the your experience sure. going to Berlin and what yeah. inspired the song. So essentially what happened is I was on tour. Let me think. I don't even know what year it is at this point in time. And I was on tour and, and I and I had this experience with this this gentleman. This is how long into the non-monogamy? Probably a year. Okay. And it was probably really the first time that I had allowed myself to be free. I, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time with my guilt. Uh, what both, do you feel guilty for? Both about my failures in, you know, and I told myself that that was the one thing. I think a big part of the reason that I'm asexual is I shut that off for myself because of what I went through in terms of my parents' divorce. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking from my mother's to my father's once and just, just hating it and just hurting and saying, like, I'm never going to be in a relationship. This isn't worth the risk of what what like all all the well-intended purposes can do to the people to the offspring in which you create mm. right they they weren't trying to hurt me yeah. that, that wasn't their intention but i was and so so i was never going to be in a relationship and i didn't go on a date until i was 24 really so i mean Maybe went on two dates with girls and it was just like not even a thing. I didn't even care. It wasn't part of my ecosystem. I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. And um, when I found Mike, it, it, it was so perfect and so healing and so life-giving. And so everything that I couldn't even imagine to dream. I wanted it to be perfect and I worked for it to be perfect, right? Mm -hmm. And so when that all of a sudden it wasn't perfect, that was really hard for me. It felt like a huge failure. It felt like I was recreating the mistakes that my parents had made. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was the one thing I had vowed never to do. Um, so I struggled a lot with my 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 guilt about failing in this relationship. And I struggled a lot with my guilt about being intimate with other people. Um, and, and I was going on tour and I was going to be away for... I don't know, a month, six weeks, something like that. And I just said, and I was going to a couple events that were like bear centric events that are very sex positive. And I was just like, you know what, Tom, you need to give yourself permission to not judge yourself on this trip. Like if something feels good, do it. Like, you know, and so that was really hard for me. And so I met, I met this individual in Washington, D.C. And that was really safe for me because I had 
lived in Washington, D.C. for a decade with my husband, and mm-hmm. I had built this life with him there. And when, when I went back, and I was back for a couple of days, I thought it'd be fun to have a date, but I didn't really want to date anybody that I knew because I thought, again, I'm still hiding. I don't want people to be like... Mm, he's changed. You yeah. know what I mean? He <laughs> moved to Los Angeles and he changed. He came back all polyamorous. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I was so afraid of what, what the people would think. And then I met this guy on one of the apps and he was from London. And I was like, perfect. Like totally safe. And I went and met with him. We had a wonderful time. Um, At the end of the night, we were just chatting and joking and he had mentioned that, you know, we started talking about the rules of our, our respective open relationships. And one, and he had a couple of rules. One was like, nobody could spend the night and you couldn't see anybody more than once. Yeah. And it was like three in the morning. So I was like, motherfucker, I got to get up and I got to take an Uber home. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, stupid. But there's also the like, what you're telling me I can't, like, if you had a great time, you're telling me we can't. Yeah, I was do super this disappointed. Again. That's yeah. Why I don't like one night stands. Yeah, I, I li- don't. That's I'm, me too. Yeah, because, because it's like, if I liked it, I want to do it again. Yeah. I find the pizza place I like. I want to just eat at that pizza place. Yeah. Why would I go try a bunch of places? I found one I like. Let's do that over. I want to. I want to create. Yeah. I want to create like like yeah. wonderful long term relationships that you know sometimes involve intimacy, yeah. and that's really great. So so I went home. I when I got home, I sent him a text. I was like, Hey man, it was nice seeing you. I sent said a couple nice things, and that stuck with him. Just because I didn't, you know, he was like, I essentially just kicked this guy out of my room and he sends me a nice text back. And so about uh, probably six to eight months later, he texted me and was just like, hey, are you going to be on the East Coast anytime? And I was like, yeah, I, I scored this film. It's premiering in Toronto. I'll be in Toronto for four days at this point in time. But what's up with your rules? You know? And he was like, "Oh, well, we changed them. These are the, these are the new rules. We can do this now. We can do this now." Repeats I was like, allowed. Repeats allowed. Yay! Spending the nights allowed. Yay! Yay! I was <laughs> like, "Cool. Okay. Well, I'll see you in Toronto." He's like, "I'm going to be in New York. I'll I'll swing by Toronto before, and then I'll see you." So, so we had a great time in Toronto. It was really great to see him. It was really great to spend the night with him. And then when I was leaving, he was like, "If you want to come to Europe." You know, let me know. We can we can just do it for the weekend. I have lots of miles. You know, it's no big deal. Don't feel pressure, you know. And I was like, cool. So I, you know, so then I talked to my husband, you know, and that was difficult because it was different. You know, there's always these new things that come up. And I, I was more, you know, he was very uncomfortable by it. You know, this is where the shifting of the discomfort starts. Yeah, I think if I was in your shoes, I'd be like, well, motherfucker. Um, yeah, but that doesn't really, that doesn't that really doesn't accomplish work, but anything. Like, but in, like, in my mind, that's where. Like, you definitely, I've definitely <laughs> thought that a lot of times. <laughs> you have to be approaching him to ask him this thinking, yeah. if he says no, I swear to fucking God. Like, that wheel's yeah. got to kind of turn in your head. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really put it like that, but I, there is, like, there are points where I'm like, mm, I don't think your logic's really yeah. working here. <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, and it was like, you know, for me, it was like, hey, look, w- this whole thing is about having these new experiences. This seems weird to hop on a plane, to go to Berlin for, like, 48 hours and come back, but it seems cool. Like, that's a badass opportunity. I've never been to Berlin, mm-hmm. you know? So let's, you know, that actually Berlin wasn't even in the books. It was like, then like that's so much negotiating. It's like, just go to Europe. And he's like, well, these are the places I want to go with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, okay, these are the cities that are I can do. And Berlin was one of them. It seemed easy, easy to get to. And so I hopped in the plane. I went to Berlin. 
we spent 48 hours together. It was it was magical. It was obvious, you know, there was I would there was two nights. And the first night, you know, I got there, we hung out for a couple hours, went to dinner, came home, you know, made love. It was really wonderful. And then he said he said, "You know, it feels really weird, but I want to say night love you know because he's like british yeah i was like oh that's sweet thank you i always just say thank you to thanks right and that was great and then and then the next night we just had the most wonderful magical day and evening and again like we're like making love and we just finished making love and he just goes i love you and i go i love you too and i'm just like what the fuck right in the thing you know i wake up the next morning pack my bags I walk out of the room and like I do the same thing like he goes I love you as I'm leaving yeah. and I say I love you too and I get in that elevator and I'm like I have no idea what I'm going to do now you know and that's really what what you know and I had written Berlin I the interesting thing about this record is I wrote Berlin in that experience mm. I was writing it while I was having it I remember one time we were making love and I had written the first verse and the second verse. Um, and then we were making love. And as I was making love, I said, excuse me, we got to stop. And I went over to the side of the bed and I wrote down, and our naked bones and our fragile souls like moth to a flame. They can't help but collide. They can't help but imbibe. The truth only seen through the eyes of a lover. The, the comedian version is so much less romantic. Because like, hold on, hold on. I got to get over. And you're naked. You run over to write like a baby. Like, you ever be like fucking and then this and then someone farts? It's like, it's so much less romantic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas yeah. in like, he could say like, what did you write down, babe? And then you could share it. And it's this beautiful thing. And yeah, I yeah. would have to share my thing and hope she laughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's going to be, she's going to laugh or be mad. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's no in between. Yeah, no. And that's, you know, and that's what happened. And I got in the car to the airport i wrote the third yeah. verse and almost this entire record was the story like i wrote the story first mm -hmm. while i was in the story while i was super connected to the emotions of the story and then i went home and i figured out like what does berlin sound like what does amsterdam sound like what does cm reap sound like what do these places like what are the tones that we need to to work and ian carmichael who produced the record just did such a wonderful time like just such a wonderful job of listening and we would have these conversations and i would tell him like about what happened and he would be like, okay, cool. And then he, he also knew how to paint the visual picture in, in even a better way than me. So it just, it came out, it came out wonderfully. Yeah. yeah. So this British bloke, like this is the guy who's uh, still your, do you call yeah. him boyfriend, partner? Like, what do you, how do you refer to him? Hmm, I guess I call him my lover more your than lover. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's still over in Europe? He lives in London, yeah. So how, how often do y'all see each other? Because you're in LA, right? I would say, Based out of LA. yeah, I'm in LA. Tour, I would but... say every six weeks or so. Wow! So it's it's more frequent than you think. That is, that is wild. Let me think. Uh, so so I'm seeing him here in New York. Beautiful. Um, I'll see him at the end of February. I think is probably the next time we have we have space. Mike and I both travel a lot, mm. which makes it easy, and so does he. So there's sometimes when we just happen to be in the same place, which is wonderful. He's here on business. I'm here on business. It's kind of it kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, I would say, I would say every would, six weeks is for LA and London is incredible to me at least. It's unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Uh, we, we are very, very lucky. 
And and y'all two now been together how long? I don't know. It's a really good question. A few years? A couple years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's weird, you know, because when I met him, I didn't meet, see him again for another six months, mm-hmm. you know, and there's kind of like, and I think it's also different. If I'm being really honest. Don't you dare. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I, I I haven't really ever spoke this, but it, it, I also feel a lot of guilt um, counting it in the same ways as I would with my husband, mm-hmm. you know, like having an anniversary, having those kind of things. Um I think that that also means that there's a, a certain degree of permanence to it that I think is uh, gives me um, a little guilt and would certainly give my husband discomfort. So it's probably why I I avoid it as well. Do you not f- you feel guilty counting it the same as your husband in like? Because uh, I like think it would hurt the my hu- weight of anniversary yeah. of having anniversaries. I think okay. my I think it would hurt my husband's feelings. Yeah, yeah. And what is the current state of the marriage? Because again, like your husband's doing more the sexual component. It sounds like. I mean, he certainly right. has like has regular people. Regulars, but it seems like it's not romantic. It's not as you know. And my husband and I just approach the world a little differently, which is fine. Yeah, yeah. And then, and you are more seem down more this the romantic side of of non-monogamy exactly and and so what is the the current state of things i feel like really good i feel like we're in a strong place it's it's always it's always there's a lot of ups and downs and there's a lot of i think the interesting thing about non-monogamy that doesn't happen as much with monogamy is there's a lot of triggers that are constantly hit Mm -hmm. you know in monogamy you can be like okay Let's just stay out of that area, yeah. right? I think the triggers are hit just as often in monogamy, but they just don't talk about it. Like that's the, everyone I, goes like. I think like, there's truth truth to that too. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, like poly, like don't you get jealous? Like, yeah, we get jealous, and you get jealous too. We talk about it. Yeah, and, and, and you and get, y'all should talk about you it. You get too. jealous when they look at a magazine funny, right? Right, and, and y'all should. It's not bad that anyone's jealous. You should just talk about it. Yeah, I do feel like there's nothing off the table, mm-hmm. and that makes me happy because it's like. I do feel like that that I can have any conversation with my husband, and, and whether it's hard or not, it, you know, we can do it. And clearly, this album's got um, a lot of emotion and heart in it. And how did how did Mike Mike right? Yeah. How did Mike feel listening to it for the first time? My, you know, it's 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 again, it's 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 as muddy as everything in the world. He loves the record. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's my best work. He thinks it's really interesting and evocative, and he thinks musically it's really great. But there are times when it's hard for him to listen to it. You know, I have a whole new show. It's very different than my other show that I was doing for so long, and he loves it. But it's hard for him to watch. Yeah, you know, it's hard for him to to listen to some of these songs and you know La Bufadora came out and that video came out and, and uh, um you know we, we we touched a lot on domestic abuse the, the video is about domestic abuse mm-hmm. and that's not my story right but that's the story we were telling there and it's a story that, that I think hit, hit home for a lot of people and people don't talk about domestic abuse and same sex relationships and it, and it applied really especially amongst you know men because especially amongst men, men can't abuse men the other guy just has to hit back exactly right? yeah yeah and and I think that was really hard for Mike and I probably did a couple things wrong you know and you know he feels like like how the world perceives him has changed and i don't know if it has or not 
you know, maybe it has for some people and maybe it hasn't for other people. Yeah. But I, I do think that's a very real and honest reaction to a song and a video when everybody knows he's my husband, you know? Yeah. So. Well, it seems like y'all got a real good uh, hold of things and are really able to, you know, talk your shit out. I mean, thank you for, you've been very honest and it's a, it's a very, it's been a very beautiful story to learn here where all I got was a press release. So yeah, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, know, I try not to do too much research. And so I get to kind of experience the surprise. I should have only read from the press release, huh? <laughs> no, no, dude. When you, when, <laughs> when, when, when he said, I love you on the, on, well, as you're walking out the door, I almost cried. I, yeah. it's, it's, because I know that that the first I love you is is what that was, but that second one as you're leaving the door is him checking. Was that just like an in the bed moment, or is this like is he gonna say it back and that means it's real? Yeah, and that's that's the really emotion. That second one's the one that there's, I was like, wow. Yeah, there's a, there's one thing to beautiful. be like a little faded, making love, you know, yeah. like a little tipsy, doing your thing, say I love you, whatever. There's another thing to wake up in the morning, mm -hmm. be totally sober. Have the light shining on your face and say the same thing. Right. Like those are this, this, the two things are, are, uh, there's the impacts much different. And that's when we learn, like, was that fancy or is this reality? And it's, uh, it's really awesome when you find out it is reality. And, uh, you know, like I said, I mean, it's, it's got me emotional right now. So I appreciate you sharing the story. Um, so beautiful. In fact, that like sometimes I'll be like, ah, oh, bonus episode ideas, but I'm like, no, I got it. Like, I like. I almost want to like go sit in my car and ruminate on the conversation. So yeah. thank you for for sharing that with us. Thank man. you so I much for having that. me. Yeah. Where can people find you? Where can they find the record? It's all Tom Goss music, right? So if if it's on the, if you're on a website, it's tomgossmusic.com. Instagram, Tom Goss music. Facebook, Tom Goss music. Twitter, Tom Goss music. Um, YouTube, Tom Goss music, and the record is Tom Goss. So uh, whatever. And the you, record again is called Territories. So if you're on Spotify, just Google Tom Goss. If you're on Apple Music, Tom Goss. It's all Tom Goss. Fantastic, man. Yeah. Well, uh, are you are you seeing your your lover while you're in town, right? Yeah. Well, enjoy that. I and uh, it was fantastic talking to you. Why don't you say goodbye to everybody? Okay. Bye. Thank you. Go check out uh, Tom Goss on social media. Go listen to his uh, new album, Territories. I'm telling you, you can fuck to this music. It's I, I already have. <laughs> um, also, uh, go uh, check out Simone's book, Playing Monogamy. She's also a good follow on the Twitter. Of course, you should be following me on social media. I'm on Twitter at the Billy Presida. Uh, I am also on Instagram, where we just pass a thousand followers. Hey yo. Uh, you go follow me on Insta at Billy is Presida. And if you enjoy really fun little quirky sex positive memes, go like the Man Whore Podcast Facebook page. You didn't know we had a Facebook page, did you? Well, we do. And we actually put stuff on it. We're not like one of those people who says, oh, and can you like us on Facebook just so our numbers are high? It's like, no, girl, we're going to provide you some value and some good times. So go, uh, go, go search Man Whore Podcast on Facebook. Click that like button. And if you want to send me an email with your comments, your questions, your booby pictures, your criticisms, you can send any of that on over to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Next week, I, I know I said last week we're going to have April Lampert on this week, but um, they need we wanted to coordinate the release of our, our episodes on our respective shows. So next week, 
you will hear the co-host of the Shameless Sex Podcast, April Lampert, on here. And next week, you can also hear me on their show, Shameless Sex. That was a fun one. They were very curious about the the group sex stuff. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, And I hope you will help us reach 600 patrons for six years of podcasting on April 16th. You can become a member today or, you know, just sometime before April 16th at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash podcast. I'm saving this little tidbit to just reward those of you who listen all the way through to the end. But, oh, gosh, last night was so fun because uh, I went to a failed gangbang. But this time it was like the better version of a failed gangbang. Because if you all remember, um, I've been to a failed gangbang because like the chick didn't show up. And it was just a bunch of dudes jerking off together awkwardly waiting to see if she's ever going to walk in the door. And then she doesn't. And then it's just a race to see like. Who's going to throw in the towel and leave first? Well, no, this time it was just more like all the other dudes bailed. So I got to have her all to myself one-on-one and it was awesome. (laughs) Um, So may you all have failed sexual experiences that still turn out to be dope this week. Stay slutty. My name is Justin Erickson. I joined the Man Horde Podcast Patreon because the podcast fights for sex positivity in a way that is entertaining, thought-provoking, and shocking. Billy Persita's focus has evolved into bringing together knowledge and experiences from all corners of our sexual society, helping normalize and advocate for all of us that have been shamed for our desires for who we are. Billy's authenticity shines in his vulnerability to share his own journey through love, sex, and issues that he cares deeply about. The Man Horde Podcast has been the best show I've added to my digital library, encouraging me to explore my needs and desires. Just as anyone who creates something with this much passion and need, Billy earns every dollar he receives and more. If you get half of what I value from the Man Whore Podcast, please join his Patreon today.